0: Hey there, and welcome to the United Church Podcast. We are a new church here in Seattle committed to an ethic of love. We are striving to be a people united, united with Jesus, each other, ourselves, and the world around us. We hope you enjoy this week's homily. Have you ever touched it? Not physically, right? I mean, like, like touching it with your fingers, not with that sort of sense. But have you, have you ever touched it? Have you ever connected with your soul in such a way that you were shaped or formed or changed by it? Have you ever reached down into the depths of your being and felt the very core of who you are, the very breadth of God that is within you? Have you ever touched your soul? Have you ever wondered what the soul actually is? Like, have you ever taken a moment to sit back and ponder and just wonder? Like this thing that people talk about, this soul that someday might fly away to this one great and distant land called heaven. What is that thing called a soul? And is it really a spirit? Is it really this thing is going to fly away that's going to evacuate from my body and go into this other place? Is that really what the soul is? And, but what is the soul? What, what is this thing really? Well, this is the soul. The soul is the very breath of God planted firmly into the core of your being. It is the image of God that is firmly planted deep within you. It resides deep in your being, inside of you. It is the core of who you are, it is your essence, it is your identity. This is the soul. This is who we are firmly planted deep in the depths of our being. You see, I think we're all actually, in some sense, searching for this. Searching to understand what the soul is in our being. Searching for our identity. To come into contact with our soul. To touch it. To feel it. To know its parameters. To know how deep and long and far and wide this soul moves within us. It's a search to see ourselves fully. To know ourselves completely. I I think this longing and this search, this craving and this desire manifests itself in all of us through the simple question, Who am I? Who am I? Who am I really? And so we try on different outfits. We put on different outer, exterior veneers of the self. Like costumes, we put on different skins in an attempt to discover what has been planted deep within our being. To understand this thing that has been residing there all along. The Quaker... Pastor and educator Parker Palmer wrote in his book, Let Your Life Speak. He said, our deepest calling is to grow into our authentic selfhood, whether or not it conforms to some image of who we ought or think we ought to be. That our deepest calling, and even not only our deepest calling, but our deepest desire I think Palmer talks so much about the desire that we have to actually grow into this authentic self, this person that is hiding deep within us, just waiting to be let loose. That we have put costumes and outfits and makeup and veneers and wigs all over in an attempt to discover who that is and how we fit and how we play and how we push and how we pull. In this world, this has been a lifelong struggle for me. This question of identity, of understanding who I am at the very depths of my being, of who it is that God formed in me. This, this soul, this breath of God, this image of God that resides deep within my spirit. It's been a lifelong journey and a life long pursuit to understand who I am and not what other people think I ought to be, what other people think I should be. In fact, I think there's a great violence that is done to the self in the midst of this. It's the question of what are you or what do you want to be when you grow up that we ask our kids or that you are asked as a child, what do you want to be when you grow up? It's an objectifying question of what instead of who. Who do you want to be? Or who have you been formed to be? Who is it that is residing deep within you, that is screaming, that is calling, that is desiring to get out? Who? Who are you? Who am I? Who are we? It's a question of an object versus a person. A question of expectations and of ideals and of a voice versus the very core of your identity, the very core of your being. I have tried to be what other people thought I should be. I have tried hard to form myself into the image of what other people have said, this is who you should be. I have worked hard to craft a new identity and a new image and constantly swirling it around, trying new things off and taking off things that just didn't seem to work or created a bit more of a problem than they should have. And so I have like a Halloween costume every single day, putting on something new something new, something new to walk through this world, to experience the core of my identity. It was 15 years ago that I came across this quote in Martin Buber's book, Tales of the Hasidim. He was telling a story of Rabbi Zusa. He said, in the coming world, they will not ask me, why were you not Moses? They will ask me, Why were you not Zeusia? In the coming world, no one, in the coming reality, in the coming days, no one will ever ask you why you were not someone else. They will ask you why you were not you. Why did you not allow the being that God formed and crafted and shaped in you to come out and to be the unique example of God's image here on this earth? Why did you not allow that to spring forth, to be the gift that God has given this world in you to this world? You see, I think it is impossible It is impossible to be who it is that God created you to be without connecting to your soul. Without connecting to the depths of your being, the thing that is in there, buried so deep between flesh and bone and organ and muscle and the heart and the soul. Without connecting to the very soul. And this is our journey We all have the same journey to discover the breath of God in ourselves. But here's the secret. We we cannot connect to the breath of God in ourselves unless we first connect with God we cannot connect with the breath of god the very image of god that resides deep within ourselves and so we first connect with god we must connect deeply with the God of all creation. Connect with his heart, with his mind, with who he is, because that is who resides here. That is the creator of who resides here deep within our souls. We're entering in this week to a season of Lent. Lent is a really fascinating moment in the church calendar. It's 40 days before Easter. Easter is the celebration of the resurrection of Jesus, who was murdered, who was assassinated, who was crucified, who was killed, and then three days later rose from the dead. I had a fascinating conversation with my daughter, Elliot, she's six, Uh, just last week. We were talking about resurrection because I don't know how it came up. Like most conversations with kids, they seem to come out of left field, and we were talking about the resurrection, and she goes, what is that? It's like, resurrection? Have we never talked about that before? She was like, I have no idea what you're talking about. She just looked at me like I was crazy. I was like, well, resurrection is when Jesus came back from the dead. And she goes, he did? And I was like, what have I done? <laughs> I was like, well, Jesus was killed, right, I got that. But then he came back from the dead. Really? (laughs) Oh, I missed the best part of the story. (laughs) Right? I missed the best part of the story. The whole thing in which we hang our hope on. I missed the best part of the story. But the season of Lent is a season of grieving and of mourning and of preparation for the coming Resurrection, for the hope that will reveal itself in this world to us through Jesus. It is a hope that is to come, a hope that we get to hold on to, a hope that we hang our hats on. It's the, the depths of our story. So we're entering into the season of Lent where we get to, as the series, as the series kind of uh, reveals to us. We awake our souls to the God of all creation, the God of this hope, the God who incarnated in this world, who came down and put on flesh and sat with us and mourned with us and grieved with us, celebrated with us and revealed the kingdom of God in our midst. This is the season of Lent where we prepare ourselves and where we reconnect ourselves with this God with this God. That's why I'm so fascinated with our text for the, for the day. Throughout this season of Lent, we're going to be walking through the lectionary on Sunday mornings. We're going to be walking through one of the passages within the lectionary. And the lectionary is this really beautiful like book, <laughs> It's basically a book of Scripture that is just kind of randomly, seemingly randomly thrown together. It's a passage from the Old Testament, and it's a passage from the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It's a, a passage from the letters of Paul or the letter of James or the letters of John throughout the New Testament. It's these sorts of things kind of tossed together in kind of a soup of Scripture that invites us to interact with what it is that God is saying to us. A moment for us to, like we did earlier with the Lectio Divina practice, to sit with that story, to sit with that passage and say, what is it, God, that you're saying to me? And so on Sundays, we're going to be walking through various random passages that kind of seem to come out of left field, that come from all over the place, and we're going to wrestle with them and struggle with them and push and pull and prod and see what it is that God is saying to us, not only individually, but corporately as a church. And so our passage today was from the book of Joel, and it's Joel chapter 2, so it's not even like we're starting at the beginning of Joel. This is how random the lectionary can be, is this is Joel chapter 2, and even the text, the verses from Joel chapter 2, are verses 1 and 2, and then 12 through 17, right? It's not even like the whole chapter of Joel. It's not the way in which some of us grew up understanding how to read Scripture, let alone a book, right? It's like college all over again where the professor would be like, here is your syllabus. You need to read chapters one, seven, and three in that order of this book. I don't care how the author meant it to be read. You will be reading chapters one, seven, and three. Oh, and by the way, chapter one, you only need to read the first paragraph of this section and the seventh paragraph of this section. Forget the rest, right? It's like college all over again. The lectionary pulls them together and pulls and pushes and prods in different ways. So verses 1 and 2 and 12 through 17. But even today, there's one specific thing that stood out to me. As I prepared for this morning, I I, I did it in a Lectio style, looking for the word or the phrase that stuck out to me and the thing that I needed to hear, the thing that I I felt God was saying to me. And at the same time, I spent time in prayer asking, is this the thing that God wants us as a community to hear as well? And it was verse 13 in Joel chapter 2, Rend your heart and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love, and he relents from sending calamity. It was the entirety of this verse that stood out to me. It was these two phrases that called forth and said, Take heart. Take heed, pay attention closely and carefully to what it is that I am saying here. There were two things. The the first was the slow to anger. God is slow to anger. That even though we may find ourselves in this season with hardened hearts or hearts that are turned away from God or pushed away from God, that God Is slow to anger. He's slow to anger. Which is funny because as a parent, I am not so slow to anger with my child. She just found out on Friday that she wasn't able to go to a sleepover. She found out Friday morning that she couldn't do it, not because we didn't trust her, not anything, we just didn't feel like we knew the family well enough to entrust them with our child for the night. And it was one of those things like, oh, let's, let's get to know the family better so that maybe she can do a sleepover with her, you know, down the line, down the road sort of thing. Asking all the questions, this would have been her very first sleepover somewhere else that was not at grandma and grandpa's, right? So it was like, what, what are the questions that you ask? And... We sat down that morning and gave her the news, and she lost it, right? Just melted down. But it was in the morning, on a Friday, right before school, and she wasn't ready to go yet. So I was not so slow to anger. I was like, Elliot, get ready. You have to get ready now. Get up. I don't care that you're sad. I don't care that you're upset. I don't care that you're frustrated. You're going to be late to school, You want to go to this birthday party later tonight? You had better get yourself ready for school. Go, 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 go. She sat in her room, and not only did she cry and weep for the loss of the birthday party, but I don't think Papa likes me anymore. Right? That's not God. (laughs) That's not God. But I think we have the same response, don't we? when we feel like we've messed up, when we feel like we have upset God, when we feel like we have turned away from him, we have these moments where we feel like, it's not so much that I don't question that God loves me. I'm not sure God likes me anymore. But God is slow to anger and abounding in love. He creates this atmosphere and this environment for us to constantly enter into. But the second thing that stood out to me is this, this word, rend. Rend your heart and not your garments. And I thought about that because I was like, what on earth does this word, rend, even mean? Right? Like, What is that all about? Because I immediately thought to like, my old PC back before I switched to the good side and went to the Apple Macintosh world, where you don't have to worry about rendering anything, right? But like there was this whole like thing you had to rend the computer all the time to get things to work, and I always thought like oh it's like the the, the defragmenter sort of thing like that was rendering your computer, and you would you would it was basically taking these pieces that were all laid out and strewn about and putting it back together into like this like, cohesive thing where everything just sort of worked seamlessly and wonderfully again, right? Because the PC would just be like, I don't like you. I'm just going to start breaking down every chance and every moment I get. I'm going to frag myself all over the place. And then you're going to have to click a button and wait three hours for me to render it all back together again. Like, that seems to be how it works. Or, like, videos. Like, you would render a video, which was like this idea of, it would put together all of the bits of data back into this beautiful, seamless video. And then all of a sudden, ah, you had a video, right? It was, this is what rendering was. And I was like, okay, so rend your heart. Put your heart back together, because it's been totally, like, exploded all over the place. Put your heart back together, and not your garments, but what? That doesn't make any sense. That doesn't make any sense to me whatsoever. But here's the thing. Back in the day, their garments, whenever they were mourning, whenever they found themselves with this great sense of calamity or terror or grief, whenever they had found themselves to be far from God and recognized the depths of their calamity, the depths of even their depravity, they would tear their garments. They would rip it. It was all an external sort of thing. They would tear their garments and walk through the streets weeping and wailing. God, look, look, I am repentant. I am am completely overwhelmed and wrought with grief and despair. They would tear their garments So here's this word, rend your heart and not your garments. What that word rend really means is tear your heart. Look deep into the internal of who you are. Not just this external sort of expression of grief of pain and of repentance, but actually go deep to the heart and tear it. Like, make it burst is the idea. We got back from vacation uh, last weekend, and I we had Jen watching our dogs for us while we were gone, and she came in and out and loved on them and cared for them and did all these really beautiful things for our dogs, but the one thing that she did that kind of blew my mind was this. She put my frickin' Rubik's Cube back together. <laughs> now, I have spent a long time trying to get this thing back to perfect. And by a long time, I mean I have spent countless hours trying to get this thing back together. It has been more than a month of tedious work where I have been watching the YouTube videos trying to figure out the algorithms, because this whole thing is a freaking algorithm of up and down and left and right and front and back and top and bottom and you turn it three clicks this way and then seven clicks that way. There's never a seven. But it's ridiculous. I have worked so hard and I come back and I see the desk. There's this beautiful Rubik's Cube put back together. It's the defragmenting. It is the rendering of a Rubik's Cube. But here's the thing. If I were to put this thing back together, the way in which Scripture is asking us to put our heart together, of rendering our hearts, it would be the way that I wanted to do it. Smash the sucker and put it back together piece by piece to get to this point, right? How many of you have ever smashed a Rubik's Cube to put it back together the way that it should be? Yeah, exactly. You know exactly what I'm talking about. Yes, I almost got there. I was so, so close. But that's what God is asking us to do in this space with our hearts. To smash them to tear them open to the point that they burst, to let forth all of the hardness that is there, that hard exterior that prevents us and keeps us from God, to smash it, to literally take a sledgehammer to the heart of the Rubik's Cube and then allow God to render it, to put it back together piece by piece so that we may be whole so that we may be complete. But here's here's what's beautiful about this Joel 2 passage. It doesn't just tell us to tear it apart, to to tear apart our entire heart. It actually gives us a way in which this is to be done. It's through fasting. Fasting. And what's fascinating about fasting is that it's simply just a withhold. You withhold something from yourself. And if you've grown up around the church, you've grown up in the season of Lent, typically you fast from something. In the Catholic tradition, you're fasting from meat from Monday through Thursday, and then you have a giant fish fry, right? Like on Friday. And and it's, it's this beautiful expression of like a communal potluck sort of thing coming around the giant fish fry kind of thing. But that's not what we're talking about here. We're not talking about fasting from, the th- from something arbitrary. In, in the past, I, I too have attempted the fast from meat to Tracy's chagrin, right? She was like, what on earth are you doing? I don't know how to cook vegetables well, right? And that be the only thing that we're eating in this house. It's fair. I, I too have also attempted to fast from coffee, through the 40 days of Lent. That was not a pretty sight. I have attempted to fast from chocolate or fast from exercise, because who doesn't want to fast from exercise, right? All of these sort of arbitrary things that we just choose like, this is the thing that I'm going to fast from. I'm going to fast from chocolate. I'm going to fast from exercise. I'm going to fast from coffee. I'm going to fast from sweets. I'm going to fast from Facebook. I'm going to fast from blah, 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 you name it. I, I, I think if any of us have ever participated in these sorts of things, those are typically the things that we've chosen. But I think what God is calling us to do is something different in this space. In this season of Lent, that God is actually calling us to fast from the things that prevent us from seeing him. Fast from the things that have erected a wall in between us and God. What is that barrier? What is that thing that is there that prevents you from seeing the fullness of God on the other side. And fast from that thing, because each and every day of that fast, each and every day of abstaining from that, we pull a new brick down and we get to see the beauty And the glory, the magnificence, and the wonder of God who is slow to anger, but abounding in love. So this season of Lent is an opportunity for us as a church. An opportunity for us as a people to break down these barriers that prevent us from seeing God. And allowing us to tear open our hearts. To lay them bare before the God of love before us. To experience him anew. And in the process to awaken our souls. At some point throughout the course of this 40 days... I want us to be able to breathe. To take good, deep breaths that allow us to then connect with the depths of our being. To connect with the breath of God. To connect with the image of God that has been firmly planted within us. The only way that happens is to pull down brick by brick that barrier that prevents us from seeing this God anew with new eyes, with new hearts, with new souls that continue to call out and cry out from within us. And in the process, in the process we get to see ourselves as the sons and the daughters of God, the children of God who cry out with exuberant joy and hope because of the resurrection of Jesus. This, this is our task. Now The fast does not begin today. The fast does not begin today. It begins on Ash Wednesday, which is this Wednesday. So you have A few days to think it through. A few days to ponder what it is in your life, to reflect in your life what it is that is that barrier, what is that thing that is preventing you from seeing, from reconnecting with the God who is slow to anger but abounding in love. We have time in this space. We have time to reflect We have time to ponder. We have time to think and we have time to decide. We have time. But not all the time. We have time. So I want to encourage you today, tomorrow, Tuesday, to begin to think think through to reflect to pray through what it is that God is calling of you to allow the spirit of God to reveal to you that wall and then make that commitment that this is the thing this is the thing that I need to abstain from that I need to pull away from but here's the other side of it if you simply abstain from things if if we simply just say nope all we do is we create a vacuum We create a void that is just waiting to be filled by something else. If for some reason, Facebook is that thing, right? If if Facebook is that thing, you're like, I really, like that is seriously, the arguments, the conversations, the people that I interact with on that thing, like pulls me away from God. It wrecks this giant barrier. If Facebook is that thing and you stop, what are you going to fill that time with? If you pay attention to your screen time reports, that come, for me, seemingly every Sunday morning. It was the worst time in the world. And you see, holy crap, I just spent five hours on Facebook this month. And that's just on, or this week. And that's just on my phone, let alone what I do when I'm sitting behind my computer and I tool around on it, right? Five hours. What will you fill that five hours with? So while we abstain from something, we have to fill it with something else. Something that we are going to engage with. How are we going to fill that vacuum? How are we going to fill that void with something that helps us to draw nearer to God? Something that helps to pull down brick by brick those things. I don't know what that is for you. It's an opportunity for creativity. Creativity. It's an opportunity to think through what it is in our lives that will help pull us closer and nearer to God. So that's what I want to challenge us with. Is that over the course of the next day, two days, three days, well, two and a half days, we'll be thinking of what it is that we need to abstain from and what it is that we need to engage with so that we can be a people, a church. A community, followers of Jesus, whose souls are awakened to the goodness and the love of God so that we not only may be transformed and changed, but the world around us can see the beauty and the grace and the love of God manifest in our lives too. Thank you for listening to this week's homily. If you're in Seattle, we'd love for you to join us on Sundays at noon at 1316 3rd Avenue West in Queen Anne. If you'd like to support our efforts, please visit unitedchurch.gives to partner with us financially. Be in peace and God bless.